you can certainly wait a little while. Brother Lovell, so glad that you're here to minister the word for us today. Would you welcome him? Thank you, sir. Amen. Let's give that to Jesus. How about that? He's worthy of all praise today. Oh, we lift you up, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If you'll show that first slide, please. As he did say, I am the, the new director and president of the Church Loan Fund, and we serve churches all across America. There are churches and individuals who invest in the loan fund that allow us to make loans to churches. And just to kind of give you an idea, uh, we're about $100 million in total assets, and that makes us larger than about 850 banks in America. And that is just UPC churches. We, we only make loans to UPC churches, and we receive investments from members of churches and churches themselves and districts. If you would have any interest in investing in the loan fund, we have certificates. We have kind of like CDs at a bank, something like that. If you're interested in that, scan that QR code. There's a little survey, a little not a survey, a little questionnaire to fill out. We would love for you to help invest it forward. The more that people invest in the loan fund, the more we can make loans to help churches that are expanding all across America. It's amazing what God is doing all across America. I could stand here and give you testimony after testimony. It's powerful stuff. Uh, and, and, but I don't want to do that today. I just want to give you an opportunity to invest it forward and help us grow churches all across North America. All right. You can take that slide off and we'll be done with that now. I'm going to invite my wife to come to the piano. I love it when I go to a multi-generational church who's also multicultural. Now, I, I see all these, these children and young people. You know, I, 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 was, I was a kid, and I was, you know, growing up, I was a teenager. I would play the drums in church, and my pastor would have this red-headed evangelist come, Brother Bruce Robinson. And he'd come, and I mean, he was a fireball. His preaching matched his hair. It was awesome. And Brother Robinson played the harmonica. And, and, and I would play the drums, and he'd play the harmonica, and we'd just have ourselves a time. And, and of course, I would ask Brother Robinson, how, how do you do that? Teach me how to play. And so he gave me a couple tips, and I went and bought a harmonica, and I could not. He made it sound. Mike, all right? I couldn't do it. I got frustrated. I tried. I put it in my sock drawer. I said, forget it. A few years later, about three years after that, I believe, Brother Robinson died of a massive heart attack. Horrible deal. Horrible. But I believe in praying crazy prayers. Our pastor had announced that Brother Robinson would no longer be coming by to evangelize because he had passed away. I went home, and I got my harmonica out of my sock drawer, and I knelt down. I said, Lord, Brother Robinson doesn't need his talent anymore. I, I promise you I did. I said, can I have some of it? I didn't ask for all of it. I wasn't trying to be greedy. Can I have some of it? And I kid you not, I put that harmonica to my mouth, and it came out sounding just like he makes it sound. Y'all, I, I was in tears. I was shocked. And then I heard God say, now practice. 
Because you can have you can have talent, but if you don't practice, right? Now, all these kids that are out here. Now, I know there's some big kids here too. You know, some of y'all 80-year-old kids. There's kids all over this place. And y'all know that song. We switching up. Ooh, there we go. Y'all know that song, This is a Lot of Mine, right? This well, we're gonna we're gonna put a little different twist to it today. Well, this this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on, y'all. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Singing of this little, there you go. I'm gonna let it shine and let it shine, Lord. Let it shine, Lord. Let it. I go somewhere and I get that unction. I don't play this everywhere I go. I, I felt a little unction. I was like, all right, there's someone here. I see it in your eyes. Now, I'm going to tell you, don't, don't buy no cheap Cracker Barrel harmonica. You go get you a Honer Blues harp. They're about 45 bucks. You need it because it's in there somewhere. You got to get it now. Now, let me, let me be clear. Just let me be clear. Don't you pray for me to die. Let's just settle that right now. Okay? Whew. Ain't God good? Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord praise one more time. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to preach it. I got a word from the Lord for y'all today. I've come here to address the misconception of those who think victory 
is hard for God. You see, I know you're standing, but I'm about to stand for a long time, so you're okay. If you follow sports and Olympic sports and, you know, there's snowboarding and skateboarding and figure skating and gymnastics, when they do those things, there is a degree of difficulty that is given to what the person is going to do. And then they're judged based on that level of difficulty. Some of y'all have been showing up to prayer with a list that includes degrees of difficulty. Now, God, my headache is a three out of ten. God, our marriage is a nine out of ten. We got some issues. And God, I recognize that, that this, is, this, is, this is some hard stuff. And so... God, you see this situation at work, and God, I'm going to tell you, it's an 8.7 out of 10 on a degree of difficulty. Y'all know he's God, right? And there's nothing too hard for God, right? And with God, all things are possible, right? Whatever degree of difficulty that you've placed on anything, I don't care how bad the addiction is, I don't care what the doctor's report says, anything with God is a zero out of ten. He says, if you'll just give it to me, I'll show you. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 5. One verse. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, Pastor, thank you for allowing me to come. I appreciate that. I'm not here to teach all about the book of Revelations. I'm going to use some of it, but I'm going to leave that to you and the deep stuff. But today, I want to preach about the lion of the tribe of Judah with a message entitled, Until... Shiloh comes. Look at someone and say, until Shiloh comes. Now, we've already prayed, and I know the hand of God is on this this whole entire message, and you and everybody, so y'all can be seated, and I'm just going to keep flowing in it. I want you to notice that this elder in heaven referred to Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the only reference in the New Testament of this title. Why would an Old Testament elder call Jesus something that John had never heard him called in person? Well, John went to Sunday school. And if you study how John was raised, you'll know he was raised being taught the Torah, which is the Jewish 
Bible, the first five books of the Bible. And so with the help of the Lord today, I'm going to preach from Genesis to Revelations. I said with the help of the Lord. And I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament. You've probably heard of Abraham. We call him the father of faith. You've heard of Isaac, his son. You've probably heard of Jacob, his grandson. Jacob had quite an experience with God, we'll call it that. And God changed his name to Israel. That's where we get the name of the country from. He had quite a slew of boys. And 12 of those sons and grandsons became the tribes of Israel. And if you study geography, you'll see that they were divided into areas. I'll call them counties. There was Dan County and Naphtali County and Judah County and all those counties. See, when I use those type of terms, it helps us better understand, right? All right. Okay. Jacob, or Israel, was laying on his deathbed. And the family had all gathered around him and they wanted to hear what the patriarch of the family would say. Typically in their custom, the last dying wishes would be expressed and there would be blessings and there would be a transfer of inheritances and there would be all kinds of stuff would happen on the deathbed. I want to direct your attention to Genesis chapter 49 and, and, and you, can, you can read the whole chapter later and you'll hear what each son got. Some of them didn't get what they was hoping to get. Because daddy started out and saying, you know what, I need to get on to you one more time. <laughs> you, you've been a knucklehead, he'd say. Now, that's very calm words compared to what he really told some of them. And, 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 and daddy Jacob is, is laying there on his deathbed, and he's going through the boys, and he gets to the boy named Judah. And something happens. His, the tone in his voice would have changed. Because without missing a beat, he starts prophesying. He, he begins to have a vision. And he's describing the vision to the boys. And I don't know which one of them was taking notes, but I'm glad they did. Because we can study this and we can make sense out of it. But I don't think the boys could even possibly make sense out of what Daddy Jacob was saying. Let's read, starting with verse number 9. He looks at his son Judah and he says, Judah is a lion's whelp. That means pup. So the first thing out of his mouth is, Judah, you're a cub. You're a baby lion. Well, now that didn't make a whole lot of sense to them because they're probably thinking, yeah, he's, he can be a lion, all right. From the prey, that means something conquered, my son, thou art gone up. So in a flash, he sees this cub who has conquered a prey. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, as in, look at this next part, old. Wait, what now? 
as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Now, this is quite interesting to me. In one verse, Jacob has what I would call a fast-forward type of vision. He looks at Judah and he sees a cub. And then he immediately sees a conquered prey. And then he sees in a crouched position an old lion. So he sees Jacob, or I'm sorry, Judah go from being a pup to an old lion who conquers things. And then he says, who shall rouse him up? That is... If I can give you the Rick Lovell translation, or as I would call it, the street level translation, what Daddy Jacob was saying was, who gonna mess with him? I mean, in one verse, he's seeing, now y'all gotta use your imaginations here, he's seeing a pup of a lion, just a cub, immediately grow up to be an old lion, who is conquering prey that no one can mess with. Now, pastor, if this prophecy would have stopped right here, that would have been enough. Oh, but he wasn't done. Let's keep going. He switches gears. I've got to borrow a drumstick back here. He says the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Now, y'all just don't, don't, don't read anymore. Just don't get ahead of me. A scepter is that rod that a king holds in his hand. I've, I've been to London, and, and I have seen the king's scepter in London. And I learned that when Parliament in England tries to enact a law, they cannot enact a law unless the king's scepter is in the room. The scepter was what the king would use, and when he would execute a judgment or he would establish a law, when he would do this, it's kind of like a judge now that pounds the gavel. Same thing. The scepter. Now, now wait a minute. I thought he was a lion. Oh, he is. The original Lion King. <laughs> the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Now, Daddy, I know you're old, getting senile. I don't know if you've noticed, but you're not a king. Which means your son can't be a king. You see, when we look at prophecies and promises from our perspective, we can sure talk God out of a lot of stuff. But if we'll just let the word do what the word is designed to do, because what those boys around that deathbed did not know was that through the lineage of Judah, there would be one come by the name of David. <laughs> and upon the throne of David, the kingdom would be established forever. But those boys didn't see into the future. 
all they saw was their right now. Please, can I ask you, lift your eyes above your right nows and start seeing what God has for you in your future. Let's keep going. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet. I love this one because this translates from between his feet. They would, they would say that this is where lineage comes from and where his feet are established. Remember the promise to Abraham, wherever your feet goes? That means wherever this, this king, lion, would walk, everywhere he would be, the law would be. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I could, I could preach for hours on this. Until Shiloh comes. Now, this is pretty cool. Because if you study the country of Israel, there is a city there called Shiloh. But it wasn't there yet. And on my way here today, when I put in the address, and it said 13 miles to Shiloh, my wife and I looked at each other and said, well, this is the will of God. This is not talking about a location. This is talking about a person who would be called Shiloh. I'll come back to that in a minute. Unto him, the scripture says, shall the gathering of the people be. Let's just keep going. Binding... His foal, a colt, donkey, unto the vine, and the donkey's colt unto the choice vine. Hey, disciples, go into town, and there's going to be a man there with, with the donkey who's going to have a colt with it. <laughs> Bring me the colt that's never been ridden. Y'all got Palm Sunday coming, right? He, I mean, you could just preach this one passage forever. He washed his garments in wine. Okay? And his clothes in the blood of grapes. Huh. That seems odd. Why would a king wash his robe in grape juice? Boys, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I see. Verse 12. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Daddy, are you okay? Boys, I'm just telling you what I see. And then, and then from the lion, I saw a king. And, and, and then from this king, I saw his clothes. And it was, it was kind of this, this reddish grape-y looking garment. And, and, and his name was Shiloh. Dad, we don't know Shiloh. I didn't say he was here. I said he's coming. 
and there's a whole bunch of people gathered unto him. Now you and I, who have studied the New Testament, can clearly see who he's talking about. Anybody know the name of the one he's talking about? Jacob is seeing Jesus. That's why the elder told John, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. What Jacob saw has come true, and he has prevailed. (laughs) Shiloh. It means the peaceful one who prospers. The peaceful one who prospers. There's another translation that says the conqueror who brings peace. The purpose of the conquering is to establish peace. You know, very contrary to humans. You study wars. They don't conquer to bring peace. They conquer to get power. Well, he's already showing up with all power in heaven and earth. He doesn't need any more power. He's got that. The reason he conquers is so we can live and walk in peace. Now, I'm going to reread one of these verses in a version of the Bible called the voice version. I like to look through different versions just to kind of see how it's explained. And and sometimes it's way off and sometimes it's way right. And this one's way right. (laughs) It says, the scepter will not depart from Judah. The ruler's staff will rest securely between his feet until the, all caps, one comes to whom true royalty belongs. All people will honor and obey him. The one to whom true royalty belongs. Not man's royalty that's had to be conquered. (laughs) True royalty. That at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. You see how all this wraps up together? This is the one that people are going to gather unto him. Yeah, they're going to gather Here's the deal though. There are those of us who are choosing together now and bow. And I would highly advise you do the same. Regardless of your theology or your agnostic thinking or whatever, my Bible's true. If you don't choose to bow now, you'll be forced to bow later. Because it says, at the name of Jesus, they're going to bow. But brother, (laughs) I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm in the name. I'm in the body. I'm under the blood. I'm not going to be left at the door. (laughs) Was that too much? Do I need to circle back on that one? I don't have time. Save it for later. So I just want to make sure we understand there's no confusion here. Jacob was having a vision of Jesus. 
All right. I love how God works. I love how he will do things different ways to teach the same thing, you know. We're going to fast forward to the book of Isaiah, chapter 63. Now, oh, Isaiah, he, he had a lot of crazy visions. God likes to work with visions. Can I, can I pause for just a moment here and, and just kind of help somebody out here? Visions are when God takes over the big screen in your brain. We've all got one. We've all got imagination, right? I call it the big screen in your brain. Some of y'all need to tune your channel into the God channel and turn it off the worry channel because you're playing out all kinds of what-if scenarios. What if this happens and what if that happens and what if this and what if, and what if, what if the market does this or what if the government does that or whatever. Stop it. Just tune into the God channel, also called the peace channel. Okay. Isaiah's tuned into the God channel. Now, this is Isaiah 63, verses 1 through 5. Now, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I don't know if that's the, if y'all have that. I'm, oh, yes, cool. Here we go. Isaiah is praying... And he has this vision and he sees someone coming down a road. Who is this who comes from Edom? From the city of Basra with his clothes stained red. Now, let's just hold that right there. I want to back up. Something I said a moment ago, I, I, I realize now I got ahead of myself. Judah would be like a state. Sorry, I think I said county. Judah's a state within the country. Edom is the county. Basra is the city. Okay? What county are we in right now? St. Clair? Okay. So this is like saying, okay, St. Clair County is in the state of Illinois in the country of the United States. Right? We're in the city of Belleville. So Basra is the city. Edom is the county. Judah is the state. Israel is the country. Isaiah is seeing specifically there's someone coming out of Basra whose clothes are stained red. Hmm. Who is this in royal robes Marching in his great strength. Now, now hang on. He sees someone coming out of Basra whose clothes are royal robes, but they're stained red. Would y'all have any guess as to who he might be seeing here? Now, marching, that's military, in his great strength. It is I, the Lord, announcing your salvation. It is I, the Lord, 
who has the power to save. Go, go back to that the part right in front of this. Now, this is Isaiah. This is the Old Testament. When Isaiah hears, it is I, the Lord, he has a name for him too. But it's not Jesus. It's Jehovah. Because there's only one Lord. And Isaiah is seeing God in a kingly robe that's been stained red. Marching in victory, announcing, y'all want to know what the Hebrew word here for salvation is? Yasha. Where we get the name Yeshua from. That translates Jesus. Who is this one coming? And the reply is, it's me, God. Verse 2. Why are your clothes so red as if you have been treading out grapes? Now, let's pause here for a moment. Basra means the city of the wine press. It's where they would take the grapes and have them trampled. But kings wouldn't do this. They would have the servants and the slaves and the poor people get inside these circular, they call them wine vats. I've been there, I've seen these, they're amazing. They're still there after all these years. And take these grapes and they would put them in there by the bushel baskets. And then they would make people get in there and stomp on them. These are fake, by the way. Anytime you get inside one of those things and start stomping, guess where the juice ends up? All over. And if it's all over, that means he wasn't doing it like this. Come here, buddy. Come here. Come here. Help me out. Help me out. You have full permission to make a mess. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Oh, come on, do it. Come on, get in it, get in it. Both feet, just get with it. Just stomp it, stomp it, come on. Stomp on it, stomp on it, come on. Jump up and down on it. There you go, there you go. Thank you so much, give me a high five. There you go. Why are your clothes so red? You're a king. You're not supposed to be stomping grapes. 
<laughs> Look at the next part. The Lord says, I have been treading the winepress alone. No one was there to help me. In my anger, I have trampled my enemies as if. Did y'all have any concerns whatsoever? What's your name? Preston? Cool. I have a little cousin named Preston. Did y'all have any concern whatsoever about Preston's ability to stomp a grape? I'm curious. What number would you say the shape of this grape is in? A zero out of ten. Y'all with me? The degree of difficulty for Preston to smash this fake grape is a zero out of ten. And that is the analogy that God used to try to explain to us how easy it is for him to conquer his enemies. My God. Sis, hold that grape right there. That, that grape right there represents every single problem or issue you walked in here with. Just, just hold that thing up. Show, show God. God, this is really what my problems are to you. This is, this is really what it's like. This is really everything that I battle, everything that I face all the time. It's just, it's just that, God, it's just a grape to you. That's, that's, really, that's really all it is. That's, that's really all, all my fears and, and all of my, my inhibitions and everything, every reason I have, God, for why I don't think you can help me. God said, just give me your grapes. Next part of the verse says, in my fury, I have trampled my foes and their blood has stained my clothes. <laughs> See, Jacob, you thought it was grapes. You thought those clothes were washed in grape juice. And Isaiah, what you really learned is I've been out stomping out victories. Oh, yeah, we're going back to the garden. <laughs> oh, yeah, devil, I got news for you, buddy. There's a man coming from the lineage of Eve. Who's going to stomp on your head? And it's, he's going to stomp so hard, it's going to bruise his heel. <laughs> I got news for you. Jesus is still marching in his great strength. He's still, he's still extending the arms of his scepter saying, you have victory and you have victory and you have victory. 
We try to make things hard for God and we try to give God every excuse for why he shouldn't be able to work in our lives or why he shouldn't be able to use us. But I got news for you. Every single obstacle we face is nothing but a grape to God. In my fear, I've trampled my foes. Their blood has stained my clothes. For the time has come for me to avenge my people, to ransom them from their oppressors. I was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So I, the Lord, Isaiah called him Jehovah. Jacob called him Shallow. We call him Jesus. So I stepped in to save them with my strong arm. Isaiah 53, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And my wrath sustained me. In other words, I was so fired up, I didn't quit till I was done. Jacob and Isaiah saw the same person. Just had different names. When I wait, wait, Brother Lovell, I, I thought it was the father and I thought there was a son. and I, Yeah. It's all Lego blocks. If you take the son, it's like taking a Lego block and trying to explain all of the Godhead in one Lego block. You take the father, that's like taking one Lego block and trying to explain everything in the Godhead with a Lego block. But my Bible tells me it's all in him. You start putting all those Lego blocks together and you'll realize there's not three persons. Jacob didn't see someone different than who Isaiah saw. They saw the same person. All the fullness of the Godhead are in Jesus, the Bible says. All the Lego blocks connect with him. And they all grape stained. Man, I'm feeling so much liberty right now, sister. Now, Jacob saw him. Isaiah saw him. Revelations 19. Last passage, verse 11. And I, John, saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, I'm so excited I can't even speak. He doth judge and make war. The lawgiver, the scepter. Marching in his great strength. Y'all see how all this is coming together? His eyes were as a flame of fire. Wait, he had red eyes? <laughs> Good job, Jacob. And on his head were many victors' crowns. I don't know which one of y'all picked that song, but I about came undone when I saw, I heard it. And he had a name written. 
No one knew that one yet, <laughs> but he himself. He said, well, what's the deal with all these names? Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, all the other hyphenated words. Jesus, Shiloh, Adonai. Because he's trying to help us in our feeble human minds understand the glory that's all in him. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God, the Law of God, the divine expression of God. Now, we have anybody here that likes to play basketball? Oh, yeah, you right there. Yo, yeah. Hey, what does it mean if I said he's a good trash talker? What's a trash talker? How would you describe that? A person that says mean things. A person that says mean things while they're playing, right? So if I'm playing you and I'm the trash talker, I'm going to be like, I'm fixing to mow you down, boy. You're just going to be like a blade of grass to my lawnmower. I'm coming at you, buddy. Right? Now, have you ever trash talked anyone? Be honest, you're in church. <laughs> a few times, I'm fixing to wear you out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to beat you down and make you like it. Yeah, right? That's trash talking. We get that, right? Okay. All right. Have a seat. Thank you very much. I want you all to notice something. Jesus shows up on the battlefield wearing a vesture, a coat, a vest. Dipped in blood. John says, his jacket's real bloody. Now, the Lord corrected me on something. Pastor, I was, uh, I've preached this before, and I preached it as if it was the blood of Calvary. Makes sense, right? Until the Lord said, um, you might want to look at that again. Because I used my blood to buy a church. Why would I need my blood on me? This is the blood of my defeated enemies. That means he shows up on the battlefield of your life Wearing the proof of victory. That's the greatest trash talking moment in the history of histories. He shows up wearing the scoreboard. I'm undefeated. It's 10 billion to nothing right now. The devil has never won a victory against me. <laughs> I, 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 I got to correct something else too. I, you know, there was a time in my life in my younger ministry where I, I'd preach that, you know, that, that hell was having a party when Jesus was down on the cross. And I'm like, nope, I don't, I don't agree with that. Because there's another verse that says that when he died, he led captivity captive. 
and he conquered principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He wasn't defeated. The devil didn't win at Calvary because the very first drop of blood that came down that cross would have been enough. But he went ahead and gave it all to leave no doubt you're blood bought. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. Everything that we've ever done wrong can be paid for by the blood of Jesus. We serve an undefeated Messiah. The conquering one who brings peace. We serve Shiloh. And I got news for you. Shiloh has come. Shiloh's come here today. <laughs> Jacob, you saw the victory. I, I know Judah and the boys couldn't understand it, but you saw it. Isaiah, you saw the victory. Uh -huh. John, you saw the victory. Church, we get to live the victory. I got some holy boldness today because I know what God wants to do for some of y'all. I've watched God in a moment deliver someone who was addicted to meth. This young lady called us. Me and my wife went to her apartment, or I'm sorry, her trailer. She'd been arrested for possession. She had some kids. One of them was a, a special needs child. She was facing 10 years in prison. She was out on bail. She told us that she was a backslider and she'd called the church needing help. Oh, we're coming. We began to pray with her. There were some demons decided to start showing off a little bit. The name of Jesus took care of that real quick. They don't scare me. I got Jesus. And the craziest thing happened. And, and it's just not like you see in, in some churches where people will fall out. She, she was laying there, and, and when those demons left her body, she just went completely limp. No breathing, no nothing. It was like she was dead. And the Lord reminded me of a scripture. The same thing happened with him. When the demon left the boy, and the boy collapsed it said that he reached down and picked him up and life was sustained we laid hands on that young lady and she set up speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God filled her with the Holy Ghost brother the judge dropped her charges because he that the son has set free is free indeed She had years of addiction to meth. And y'all know, you don't just stop that. 
She stopped it. Not a single withdrawal symptom, nothing. Because when Jesus steps in, how hard is that? Zero out of ten. Just give me a chance to start stomping. April 2017. We're at my parents' house there in Sykeston, Missouri. Had some cousins show up, parked across the street. We got out of the car. We had pulled in our driveway. They would pulled into another driveway. We got out. Parker here was eight years old. And he got out of the car and he saw his cousin across the street. Took off. The car was going at least 30 miles an hour. She never hit her brakes. And we watched him flip through the air over 50 feet and land face down. My cousin is a, a fireman and an EMT. Runs over there and starts to work on him and you could tell he was smashed in. His head had shattered the grill of the car. All this through here was bruised. And Darren was working on him and finally Darren looked up and he said, I'm sorry, Rick, he's gone. Watched him lay there dead. 2009, I went to Uganda with Brother Tolstead. I got to hear stories. I got to meet people. I got to meet a lady whose daughter was raised from the dead. Oh, I could, I could give you some scriptures where it happened, but sometimes people need, you know, modern stories. I laid down there on the pavement next to him. I put my face up against his. And I thought I was saying, I rebuke death, I bind death, I command life, I speak life. Those are the four phrases I remember in my mind saying really loud. But the neighbor who witnessed it said, Sir, you were screaming in some weird language. Yeah. And in a second, he sat up and looked at me and said, what happened? Multiple doctors looked at him, multiple x-rays. He had all the bruises to show that everything from his sternum all the way around to his backbone had been caved in. But there was no broken bones. The doctor, there was a doctor who was of another faith, we'll call it that. I don't want to call it out, but he was definitely not Christian. He had the police report. He had the x-rays. And he kept looking at Parker and he kept poking him. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Parker's like, no. And he got mad and he screamed, you should be hurting. And I thought, that'll preach. I said, sir, he was dead, but I prayed for him. And the man said, I don't believe in your God. Sorry. That's what happened. I don't care how much doubt you walked in here with. I've got proof that God still stomps grapes.
That doctor would go back and forth. He'd come back in the room. He kept going in and out. There were some nurses coming in and, and crying and said, I got to see this miracle. Finally, that doctor came in and he said, well, I have to say, surely there is a higher power at work here. Oh yeah, there is. And his name is Jesus. And he can deliver from anything. I don't care how dead you walked in here. I don't care how addicted you walked in here. I don't care how bound up you walked in here. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you. Be loosed in Jesus' name. I don't care what the doctor's report said. Be healed in Jesus' name. He's still executing miracles today. Let's stand together right now. Let's stand and give him praise right now. Preacher, preacher, you don't know how far I've gone. You don't know how bad it is. Oh, I, it doesn't matter how bad you think it is. Don't try to put... Don't try to put a degree of difficulty on what God wants to do today. He wants to heal you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to set you free. He wants to break addictions today. Some of y'all walked in here and you might just have one grape. But there's some of y'all walked in here with a cluster. Bring your cluster to Jesus. I don't do normal altar calls. I don't, I don't know what those are. What I want is someone who's desperate for an answer. To say, I'm not going to let pride keep me back. God, here's my grapes. Here's my grapes. I need deliverance. I need freedom. I need peace. I need joy. I need hope. If you will repent of your sins, he will deliver you from everything today. If you'll submit everything to him, he will heal to the uttermost today. Cancer is not too hard for God. Diabetes is not too hard from God. Crohn's disease is not too hard for God. I've watched God heal every one of those. I've watched God heal heart diseases. I've watched God remove kidney stones. I've watched God do things that everybody said is not possible. Come on, cry out to God this morning. Lift your voices. Lift your voices. Don't pray silently. Let your words be heard today.